Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. No, the Timberwolves do not have the second most confusing roster in the NBA. I'll talk about a Bleacher Report article that says the Wolves do have a confusing roster. I'll explain why that's not the case. And there's plenty of other teams that are a bit more listless than the Wolves have been, at least this summer. We'll get to that on the show. Also, later, we'll talk about Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Both have been in the news for a few uh, things here and there throughout the past week or so. We'll talk about both Wolf stars upcoming on the show as well. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Friday. Happy weekend, everybody. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, which can be found on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Lockdown Wolves, along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts, are available there. Again, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. You can find it on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Today on the show, I want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, I actually spent a good chunk of the show talking about this Bleacher Report article. Um, and, and frankly, these Bleacher Report articles are. Gifts that keep on giving. Some of them are decent, some are not. And this is an example, one that I uh, vehement, dis- vehemently disagree with. And uh, it's about the league's most confusing rosters. And I'll, I'll quibble a little bit with the premise, um, not disagree with some of what was said about the Wolves, but also explain why I think there's teams that are in more, again, the word being used is confusing situations than the Wolves. So I'll spend a big chunk of the show today talking about that. Talk a little bit about Ant and Cat, what they've been up to. There's been, of course, a lot of news over the last few days regarding their off-seasons, their summers, how their respective summers are going. They're both playing for national teams leading into FIBA. So um, lots to cover regarding those guys as well. So let's start with this Bleacher Report article. Um, And the the headline, this is written by Zach Buckley over at Bleacher Report, ranking the NBA's most confusing rosters. Uh, The premise of it is, Rosters that are ill-fitting, and the intro pretty much, oh, I'll just read this section of it, it says there's the following five teams are ranked by all things confusing. Ill-fitting pieces, outdated approaches, lack of direction, distant hopes of accomplishing their goals. These images aren't flattering, they're perplexing. Again, this is Zach Buckley at BleacherReport.com. Um, and I'm going to list, I'm going to, I'm going to give the list. And then I'm going to say, if these are the six teams we're talking about, where the Wolves would rank among the six. He does list six. I I did like, there's probably other teams. Frankly, I didn't go like through all 30 teams in the league to try and figure out who. I just don't think the Wolves are, should be number two on this list. Um, So let me give the list real quick and I'll explain why these other teams are far more confusing than the Wolves. The notable exclusion from the list which it's not like an honorable mention. It's just a notable exclusion is Portland. And of course their roster is weird because of the Dame stuff and they shelled a billion dollars or whatever to Jeremy Grant right before Dame requested the trade. 
And he doesn't even mention, I guess he does mention uh, Jeremy Grant as their second best player. He talks about the, uh, Buckley talks about the age gap between Dame and Scoot and the age gap between Jeremy Grant, their second best player and Shaden Sharp, um, who are 30 and 20 respectively. So he got, yes, Portland's got a weird roster, but I would almost just kind of set that one aside because of the, the Dame stuff. Although the Jeremy Grant thing was their own doing. Um, number five, the Dallas Mavericks for a confusing roster. Number four, the Houston Rockets. Number three, the Toronto Raptors. Number two, the Timberwolves. And number one, the Chicago Bulls. So Zach Buckley thinks the Timberwolves had the second most confusing roster in the NBA. Here's his reasoning. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read a couple of, of excerpts from it. He says, zigging against a popular zag can be a way of getting ahead of, of a curve. Then again, it could just be a sign you're going about things the wrong way. Talks about the front court combo of Towns and Gobert feeling decidedly dated, even if you set aside what they gave up for them. Says on offense, Gobert's non-existent scoring range clogs up the interior. It can muddle up attack lanes for Anthony Edwards and limit post-up opportunities for Towns. Never mind that post-up opportunities for Towns have plummeted under Chris Finch, even prior to Gobert's arrival. On defense, the Gobert-Towns tandem lacks the lateral quickness to hang with face-up forwards and small ball bigs. I'll buy that. When Minnesota made its all-in push for Gobert, the time of the trade seemed off, so did the target. He then goes on to talk about how they should be brightening the future of Towns and McDaniels, who are 27 and 22, respectively. He doesn't even mention Anthony Edwards, other than saying that the attack lanes can be muddled for him. And then in the last paragraph, he talks about Edwards and McDaniels pairing to give the Wolves one of the best long-term outlooks. Minnesota's rush to establish a second round ceiling, even that could be optimistic, dimmed that considerably. It's entirely confusing to imagine where the Wolves are even trying to head and how they plan on getting there. So I think it's pretty crazy to put the Wolves, to say the Wolves are the second most confusing roster and then hardly even mention Anthony Edwards. Because now, as Tim Connolly said at the start of the offseason, everything's being done to put Ants, uh, to, to, I guess, grease the wheels for a successful future for Anthony Edwards. And um, yes, the, like the, obviously the Gobert trade is, and I said this, I think it was, it was maybe Wednesday's show. The Gobert trade is like, maybe it was Monday. Gobert trade is still, it's like, that's the thing that Tim Connolly is known for, but everything else he's done is good. And I get that Virtually. And and I get that there's going to be a lot of good that has to happen to even come close to making up for the Gobert thing, which, by the way, isn't like definitively not working yet, right? We're barely 13 months, not even quite 13 months into the trade being uh, happening last July. So, like, it, it's not fair to call it a complete loss yet, even though it doesn't look good. I just think that. Setting that aside, every other move the Wolves have made has been beneficial for Anthony Edwards. And the fact that the Wolves have 27-year-old Towns, 22-year-old Jaden McDaniels, and twenty currently 21-year-old Anthony Edwards, like, yeah, the assets given up for Gobert aren't great, but there's still a lot of a lot of pluses here. There's a pretty clear direction. Were the Wolves trying to put one foot in the win-now camp and one foot in the future camp with the Gobert trade? Yeah, I guess so. They're going to be an above 500 team unless something goes completely sideways this year. And I get that they barely were last year, but I would say Cap missing 52 straight games is pretty sideways, right? So sure, they were 42 and 40, but arguably their best player last year missed two-thirds of the season. 
and their prize acquisition barely got to play with Carlton Towns, not to mention the late season injuries for Nas and Jaden McDaniels. And they also traded their point guard in the middle of the year, the point a point guard who Tim Connolly inherited and Chris Finch inherited. Right? So all those things happen. They still win 42 games and end up as an eight seed that almost beat the Lakers who went to the conference finals in the play-in and should have been the seven seed and played Denver tougher than any other team in the Western Conference playoffs, as many have mentioned, including uh, Bruce Brown, who was on the Nuggets last year. We talked about that on the show, I think it was last week. So acting as though there's no direction, that the Wolves are not in the same conversation as some of these other teams. And I think actually that's that's what I think is more fascinating is some of these other teams that are are just completely rudderless, whether that's the Bulls or uh, to the lesser extent the Raptors, the Rockets. I have no idea what they're doing. The Mavs are a joke. Um, so I want to talk about some of those other candidates for more confusing rosters than the Wolves because like at least the Wolves are a good team with a clear path to being better next year. Like again, unless there's something catastrophic that happens likely on the injury front that would have to be this team is not going to be worse next year. They're going to be better and they're going to be a, I don't know, four, five, six, seven seed in the West, whatever it ends up being. It's not like you can't say that about Houston. Well, we'll get into that. We can't say about Houston or Portland or even uh, Toronto and Chicago. Like there's so much. I just don't know where those teams go from here to a lesser extent, Toronto. I maybe shouldn't lump them in and I'll, I'll get to that kind of re-ranking these teams as well. And in, in, in my opinion, um, but, like, man, Chicago, Dallas, uh, Houston, like, what are these teams doing? How could they possibly be seen as, like, in a better position or less confusing, if you will, than the Timberwolves? So we'll we'll talk about that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Ibotta. Finally taking that summer vacation that you've been planning, but dreading buying all the necessities before you take off. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. A big thank you once again for making Locked on Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day is we'll be back on Monday. Again, three shows once again next week. We'll get into some additional summer conversations, some more World Cup stuff. We're getting much, much closer to kind of sort of real uh, competitive international basketball. Um, so we'll talk about that next week. All right. Um, so the rest of this list of the most confusing teams in the league, let's start with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh I mean, so like just clearly the Kyrie move is the thing. Like, remember Luka Doncic at the end of last season talking about basically he doesn't know. I'm 
completely paraphrasing, but needs the team to contend. He just wants to win. Like was open to the like the suggestion of maybe that's not in Dallas. That sort of a thing. Remember the Mavs went nine and eighteen once Kyrie, Kyrie Irving took on a, or put on a Mavs jersey. And of course, the Wolves kept him. Right. And a couple summer last summer, I guess it was, they let Jalen Brunson go instead of extending him. Instead, they throw all this money at Kyrie Irving. And uh, how's that working out? Well, it didn't work out last year. And then what happens to the rest of this roster? I mean, like you're not talking about a roster that is striking fear of the hearts of anybody in the West. And remember, just a couple of years ago, this team made that, you know, somewhat surprising run to the conference finals. And now all of a sudden it's like it's Luca, it's uh, it's Kyrie. And it's what you have left from, you know, getting Seth Curry back in Dallas, uh, Josh Green, I guess. But like, you know, we know what Dwight Powell can do. Tim Hardaway Jr. still hoping to squeeze more out of him. Like there's just not much else to get excited about in Dallas. And of course, Luke is fantastic. And if he goes like nuclear on the league next year, sure, they could be they could be right back to where they were a couple of years ago. The problem is, is if your second best player is Kyrie Irving and he's actively harming you defensively and you're having issues offensively with those guys sharing the ball with each other, not necessarily with their teammates, like what's that offense going to look like with two massively high usage guys in the backcourt that both have their issues defensively, but especially Kyrie, that's a direction thing. It's a roster thing. It's a like, like obviously they should be trying to win now with Luka Doncic in year five, I guess it is. And with Kyrie Irving in year, like, I don't know, 12 or, or something like that. Like, this team has to win now, but the rest of the roster is like role players that you'd fill in behind. Not even that really though, right? Like how many contenders would would really want to have Dwight Powell playing as big of a role as he's going to have? Or Dante Exum or like Seth Seth Curry's a nice role player. Sure, Rashawn Holmes is going to be given a role there probably. It's just such a kind of a, frankly, a, a gross roster beyond their best couple of players. There just isn't much else there to hang your hat on. At least though, they have a superstar talent, one of the best two, three, four players in the league in Luka Doncic. So you can hang your hat on that, right? This should be a 30 bare minimum high 30s win team and they should contend for the play and obviously they've got higher loftier goals than that if you consider I mean like first round may not be that much loftier but Dallas at least thinks they can win right what about the Houston Rockets do they think they can win obviously they paid a lot for Ime Udoka to come there to Houston but they spent a, a ton of money on Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks who are both really good players and there's no denying that and there's some other pieces there to really like but it's all about developing the young talent of, of course, Jabari Smith and, um, you know, to a lesser extent, I guess, uh, Tari Eason. And, but they've also got Shen Goon and they've got Jock Landale and these other pieces that are, uh, of course, this year's rookies too. There's a lot there to like from a young talent standpoint, but then spending as much money and as many years as they did on Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, again, both good players but why? Like, why is... They gave Dylan Brooks $86 million over four years. They gave Fred Van Vliet three years, $128 million. They signed Jeff Green to two years of $16 million. I, I don't understand. Like, there's no way that there's not 
that Houston is not a bottom three team in the Western Conference. This isn't like my official, official prediction, but sitting here right now, the first week of August, I really don't think they're not a bottom two or three team in the Western Conference. And yet they tied up four years at 86 million for Dylan Brooks, three years, 128 million for Fred Van Vliet, and then also threw 8 million a year at Jeff Green. Like, what is the purpose behind all of that? It, they're not tanking at this point. If you're giving you know, a combined 160 million or I guess over 200 million to Brooks and Van Vliet. Uh, well, I didn't even mention, I mentioned Jock Landale. I didn't mention his deal. That, that was like 8 million a year too, or no more than that. Yeah, it was about 8 million a year um, over like four years. It's just, it's such a weird path of, it's it's like they're trying to firmly put themselves in the play-in. And this has to be what they're trying to do. I don't know why, but Houston might be saying, hey, let's get into the play-in this year, give our young guys a taste of winning. And then, you know, a couple of these pieces could be tradable in a couple of years. Or if our, you know, if Jabari Smith becomes a superstar in two years, then you've still got a year of Van Vliet and you've still got a couple of years of Dylan Brooks. It's just such an odd thing. It's it's trying to have it both ways. And I just don't understand how, how you land on that calculus. Uh, the number one team on this list that I would also put as more confusing than than the Wolves is the Chicago Bulls. And I, they've got three completely offensive-minded stars. And I would call them all stars. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. They're all offensive minded. They're all known for their offense. None of those guys you would look at and be like, oh, they're they're a plus defender. You would say they're all offensive minded. Yet this is a team that finished fifth in defensive rating and only 24th in offensive rating, according to the basketball reference version of, of that stat. How crazy is that? And how much does it say about the defense of some of the other guys on the roster to finish fifth defensively with your three best players? Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic, who are all minuses defensively, pretty clearly. Um, I mean, you have to talk like the defense of Alex Caruso and, of course, Patrick Beverly on that team towards the end of the year, but Javante Green and others who were really good defensively. Um, Ayodesunmu, he, he's another one who last year was a, a really good defender for that team. And yet they finished 24th offensively with their three best players being pretty one-dimensional, if you ask me. So I like I don't know what their goal is, and the fact that they you know there were all these rumors about uh, about the asking price for Zach Levine and DeRozan, and potentially DeRozan being untouchable is just so crazy to me. Because what's the what's the play now? Like what do you do with a 28 year old Zach Levine and a 34 year old Demar Derozan? Where is this going? <laughs> like what are the next steps here in Chicago? I would absolutely say I would actually put Chicago first with most uh, maybe go Houston number one, Chicago number two. And I think I go Dallas number three. You could argue Toronto versus Minnesota. Um, Toronto's on this list at, at number three, according to Zach Buckley at, at Bleacher Report. And he basically talks about like letting Van Vliet leave, but then, um, you know, paying to retain Jakob Pertl. I mean, I don't know. They still have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And, and sure, Masai Uhiri has, has let guys walk like Van Vliet instead of trading them. And that's not great asset management, especially from a guy who obviously knows what he's doing, building the early portions of, of the Denver roster and then winning a title with Kawhi in Toronto. Clearly, Uhiri knows what he's doing. But the last couple of years have been kind of weird. And of course, you can still trade Siakam or Ananobi. There's been rumors around both of them the last couple of years and they haven't been moved. It would shock me if this team didn't get off to a bad start and one or both of them isn't traded by the deadline. 
and that's why I, I think they still have some pivot space, some pretty clear pivot space. So I, I wouldn't put them, you know, I'd probably put them fourth or fifth and then Minnesota in the other spot. And again, sitting here right now, I think all the moves have made post go bear trade have not been confusing. They've been crystal clear what the goal is. And I've really liked the Wolves offseason so far. I talked about that quite a bit the last couple of weeks. So if you're talking post go bear trade, this, the Wolves don't make this list. But if you're factoring in the go bear trade, I understand why people, especially nationally, would say, like, yeah, this is a confusing roster, especially now that you've paid Nas Reed. And, and that also, I think, was mentioned in the article, too. Um, when in a vacuum, by the way, the deal for Nas Reed's a good vacuum, or excuse me, a good deal, a good value, I should say. I think that's the word I was going for. Um, it's really more in terms of roster balance. Was that the right move? Is is somebody nationally is asking that question? And of course, Howard Beck said on the show, and and others have said nationally, it is good value what the Wolves got Nas Reed. They were able to keep Nas Reed for, and I agree with that. So I understand why the Wolves are on this list. I'd put them in Toronto, kind of in the in the category of like, yeah, it's a little weird, but there's pivots here. The Wolves could trade Towns. They could. Um, Toronto could trade Siakam. They could trade Ananobi. I don't know what Houston's doing. I don't know what Dallas is doing. I don't know what Chicago's doing. And yes, I guess they technically could still trade those guys, but they've doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on we're not trading these guys. And what's the value of a DeMar DeRozan at this point? Given Zach Levine's contract, what's the value of a Zach Levine at this point? Like those are all valid questions um, sitting here in early August. All right, let's close the show with a bit of Anthony Edwards talk, a bit of Carl Anthony Towns talk. We'll do all that in a here next. All right, of course, the big Anthony Edwards news is that he is changing his jersey number from number one to number five. And actually, him and Kyle Anderson are going to swap jersey numbers. There's a good piece over at The Athletic from Shams Sharani and John Krasinski. Of course, Shams, uh, I think, broke the news nationally uh, related to the Edwards jersey uh, edit, I guess, changing his number from five, from one to five. But apparently, him and Kyle Anderson are going to swap, and Kyle Anderson is going to be number one, which he had in San Antonio and Memphis prior to coming to Minnesota. And basically it's, it's a family number. I, I believe if I'm remembering it correctly, both his mother and his grandmother both passed away on the fifth of a month in the same calendar year. Um, and, uh, you know, five people in his family. I believe he also has a nephew that was born, um, on, on the fifth there, you know, there's a few different family reasons in there. And we all know Ant is super motivated by, like, I don't know, he's he's intrinsically motivated to to a point, certainly, and, and, and I'm not at all doubting that, but there's other factors that clearly play into him playing harder in certain games. It could be doubt, it could be things are going well, so he plays really well, or things are going poorly and he plays really well. There's kind of that middle ground that he still hasn't quite figured out where it's just a random Tuesday night in February and he's got to play hard. That sometimes isn't super motivating for him, but if he's got a, a, a motivation like this that's family related, he feels he's got more you know swagger because of this number change, whatever that might be. And and he and his business manager both said in this article at the Athletic that like, hey, look out, this is going to have an impact on his play next year. He'll be you know uh, have a bit more swagger, a bit more confidence, etc. Um, his business manager said that that's almost an exact quote. Um, Modesty, et cetera. Justin Holland, his business manager's name. Um, so we'll see. I mean, like, again, with Ant, it's just, it hasn't been consistent for 82 games. Great that he's able to get number five. Of course, he wasn't initially because of Malik Beasley. And then the the changing the number was too late last year uh, by the time that, that Beasley was traded. 
So now it's in motion. They are swapping this year. So that's going to be weird, uh, but good good for Ant that he's able to do that. The Carlton Towns thing, um, he is, of course, representing the Dominican Republic. There's also a note I from John Krasinski about uh, that he mentioned on his podcast, the John Krasinski Show, that uh, Towns talked last year, it sounds like even more in private than in public, about how his calf was still bothering him at the end of the season, but he's feeling healthy now, which is... A, of course, great to hear, and especially great to hear as he's getting ready to play for the Dominican Republic um, in in international competition. There also was a, a, a another Bleacher Report article. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Um, we talked a bit about Towns' contract the other day on the show, but there's an article again by Zach Buckley of Bleacher Report, and this was the uh, predicting the NBA's worst contracts three years from now, and you better believe Carlton Towns was on that list. Interestingly, Jalen Brown of the Celtics was number five, uh, Towns was four, Bradley Beal number three, Dame number two, and Jeremy Grant number one. I agree with putting all those guys ahead of Towns. I think I'd also probably put Jalen Brown ahead of Towns too, just given that, you know, it's what, like $60 million a year uh, for the Jalen Brown deal, and he's really good. But, uh, man, I don't know. So the premise, the way that the way that Buckley says the article up is in three years, Towns will be 30, and he'll still have two years and basically $120 million, so $60 million a year left on the deal. Um but he also acknowledges, Buckley does, that Towns should age well. His game should age well because he doesn't rely heavily on athleticism. And I buy that 100%. He's already not a very good defender. Uh, well, naturally, that's the perception. I would argue he's he's uh, pretty average at a lot of things defensively, and his reputation is worse than the actual production defensively. But we can agree that he's not a rim protector, and he's not a nimble, um, he's not super switchable on the perimeter, right? So that's not really going to change as long as he maintains some mobility. Offensively, he doesn't hardly jump when he shoots. He doesn't rely heavily on athleticism, although the first step from the perimeter, I think, is a piece of his game that's underrated nationally. That's a huge part of what he did two years ago when he was so good offensively. Um, but all that to say, he should age well because of the way that he does play. And um, anyway, the, he, Buckley goes on to talk about how he's a great shooter, a good scorer, and an above-average passer. But basically, is not worth sixty million a year. It's hard to argue with that. It really is. Um, the town's contract could look bad in a couple three years, especially given that currently it certainly sounds like his trade value is lower than what the Wolves gave up for Rudy Gobert last summer. And as much as like the two things aren't the same, it's going to be impossible for Tim Connolly and the Timberwolves to parse those things. Everybody's going to compare every move that he makes, especially if there's a town's related trade to the Gobert package that was given up 13 months ago. That's just the way it is. And by that measure, the Wolves and Towns trade value and Connolly will never match up or live up to that value, I guess. And so, I mean, I guess like, yeah, if you if you add that to the equation, then the Towns contract won't look good in a couple of years. I don't really see any other way around that. I think that's pretty clear unless the Timberwolves, you know, do what they'd like to do and mess around and uh you know I don't, I don't know if, i don't know if it's winning a title this year but mess around and get to the second round or the conference finals or whatever then the gobert trade looks way different and the town's contract looks way different and everybody's happy right uh that not exactly but that's kind of how i think the wolves hope it's gonna go all right that's all we got for you today next week we'll get a bit more to some additional offseason stuff uh, again, just a couple weeks out from a FIBA World Cup competition. We're starting to do some preview shows, record some preview stuff for Locked On NBA already for uh, the Locked On uh, 
fantasy basketball podcast. We're doing that in the next couple of weeks. There's tons of stuff upcoming at Locked On and uh, here specifically on Locked On Wolves. We're going to hold off an actual player preview until we get to September, but that's not far off either. So uh, check back in Monday. Of course, we are uh, three days next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. A big thank you for those that do make Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast. And we'll catch you next time.